0: the uh, special two-hour edition this week of the doctor pain show dr lou is here 416-870-6400 star 640 on cell talking your pain concerns health concerns bring them on love your phone calls just bring it out there we will or at least he will answer as much as he can through the uh, course of the next couple hours a uh, week though was a look back it's uh, things have been happening with the clinic what's going on pal yeah
1: i had a an interesting case this week where uh, i was talking to uh, a patient that had a low back issue. The mm-hmm. The case itself, what was wrong with him, doesn't really matter as much as uh, the point that I wanted to highlight. So I saw this individual, very, very acute, couldn't almost move. He almost hobbled in. Um, and as soon as I saw him, I said, you need medication. You need hard meds right now. You gotta. Mm-hmm. I got to send you to one of my colleagues. They'll get you... Uh, hooked up very nicely and you'll you'll get doped up a little bit and and you'll start you to gotta feel get, you know. and you got to get it and he, and he turned to me said no absolutely not i don't believe in medication right. and it's it it just brought to to my attention what i often hear you meet some people who say, I don't believe in medication. Then you meet other people who say, I don't believe in alternative healthcare. Right. Uh, and you start talking about these beliefs, like healthcare has become a religion or something. Right. And it's just really funny because I try to educate everyone. And what I do on this show, and people have heard me say it a million times, is everything in healthcare has its place. Yes. Medications, alternative medicine, surgery, et cetera, et cetera. My job... Is to make the recommendation that I believe is going to be best for you. Now, having said that, part of the informed consent of being a patient is also what you want. So, if, if medication is not something that you want, it can't be forced down your throat. Sure. And if you know, but it just highlighted the fact of how many people out there, and, and when you start talking to these people, there's no good, uh, you know, belief system to why they believe that. It's just they've they've read some type of a book or they've talked to one of their friends or whatever, and it's like, no, 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 there's... I've heard, yeah, I've done, yeah I'm, not, yeah, I'm not, they say, exactly, yeah. they say, and it's like, well, is they a publication, a research publication? Because right. if it's not, I don't know how accurate it is. Uh, but I do think that what's important to understand moving forward in healthcare is I do think we have to start eliminating um, this notion of I believe in this one way and I believe in this other way. Right. And and really start looking at healthcare as a spectrum of everything needs to play a role. And the best um, examples of great clinics around the world uh, that you know have some of the very best care all work in that model where they have a full integrative approach to healthcare where they're using every single thing that's available, whether it's medication, surgery, alternative medicines, other different types of therapies, et cetera, et cetera. Because that's what works is using that. Uh, all-inclusive, multidisciplinary, multimodal approach to healthcare is absolutely the key. And, you know, it's something that I really wanted to highlight today is how important that is to have an open mind towards everything and understand that everything has its place. Now, obviously, if you've been given narcotics and and they're not stopping on it, then that's bad. But it's mm-hmm. the same thing as, you know, it's, it's funny because you meet a lot of people um, who don't believe in the alternative, I'll call it healthcare side of things, and others who don't, believe the other side of things and it's just, it is frustrating because I do believe these people are actually hindering their care by not being open to the other options that are available. And sometimes you have to understand where you're going, right? Uh, If you're going to a clinic that's only gonna push meds down you, then maybe that's not the best idea. And if you're going somewhere where they're only gonna push that, but that's what I've tried to do different is build an all-inclusive team where we're including every single type of therapy uh, in the management plan. and, and again, whatever is set to work best, and a lot of times it's trial and error with certain things, uh, but what I always say is that the things that are Uh, least invasive are going to be very safe to try. There's very little risk, very little side effect versus once you start moving to the more serious things, they have higher risks uh, associated and and the potential benefit may also be better, but you have to be able to weigh that as a, as a consumer of healthcare. You know, we have to also start thinking of, of ourselves as being consumers of healthcare and you have to realize that, you know, in my opinion, it is always most worthwhile to try Least invasive things before moving to the more invasive things. And you know, sometimes I meet people who it's like, I just want to do surgery for this. It's like, yeah, but no surgeon's going to operate you on you for this particular problem because you're not a surgical candidate you also have to qualify for certain types of therapies uh, especially when you start to get into things like surgery where now you're playing with life and death right a a surgeon wants to understand that if he or she is going to put you on the table that there's going to be potentially a good outcome to that surgery and cost benefit benefit, exactly and so this is a very very important thing uh, for people that are listening uh, to share with their with them for them to understand to share with their loved ones because it just seems to be the way and it's funny because Because when you look, when I, you know, I don't have any good research, but clinically what I see, when you meet the older generation of patients, those are the ones that seem to be more about, I only believe in medicine Mm -hmm. and the alternative stuff, no way. And now as we start to get into the new generation, it's kind of switching where it's like, no, no, only alternative stuff. I don't want, I don't believe in medicine. I don't, and you know, again, there's a happy medium of everything. I do really think the key is moderation. And when you're working with someone whose goal is just simply to get you better, they're going to make the recommendations that you need. And sometimes uh, those things are very, very important. But I think that any decision that someone makes should be based in good research, good evidence, good suggestions by a good professional, and not just because they say, or or my uncle or my aunt or whatever said this. No, let's, let's base it on good, hard facts, um, because that's going to be your best chance for outcome. Because when you minimize yourself that way... Uh, when you have that preconceived belief, you also minimize your chances of getting better.
0: We'll take a, a short break on that one. And your phone calls, you have an opinion, have questions, you have pain, uh, give us a call. Give Dr. Lou a call. He's here. 416-870-6400. Star 640 on sale. Just getting rolling. The two-hour edition of the Dr. Pain Show Talk Radio, AM 640. It is 1114. We'll get to your uh, phone calls momentarily. By the way, we got lots of open lines you'd like to call in this morning with your concerns. Would, uh would love to hear from you. But yeah. first...
1: But first, I see the calls hang on because I got a. I got to get this off my system. Uh So we just first talked about the patients and their preconceived uh, beliefs about one way or the other. Now, what's also just as bad is when you meet healthcare professionals uh, that are set in one way, right? So I've heard a lot of horror stories about um, the alternative side Uh, of things and even on the on the more traditional western approach but i think you should always be careful when you're dealing with a healthcare professional who's telling you no 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 don't go that other route because that's bad that's evil Right. right and and it's funny because i've talked to a lot of these people that have these views about no 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 i only believe in the alternative or i only believe in the traditional western approach and when i talk to these people their argument is often well I say, why do you believe in that approach? Why is it that? And they say, because the other one just treats a symptom. It doesn't treat the cause, and it makes it reductionistic. And I sit there and I say, well, isn't your outlook on believing that your therapy is the only thing that helps just as reductionistic right. as the other person who believes that their therapy is the only thing that can work? So my, my basic premise here is let's avoid the reductionistic approach to healthcare. Let's be inclusive. Everything that's out there, there's a benefit. There's a right time. And, you know, sometimes certain things line up for certain certain people when we do research we base research on populations it's very hard you know, sometimes you can have great research that says this treatment intervention is going to be great for this problem. And then you do it to somebody and it doesn't work. That's because the research wasn't done on one person. It was done on a population. Maxi, not micro, right? And so we take the general approach. But this is where healthcare has to be individualized. And when you look at the evidence-based approach, the reason why there's three components of it, there's the research component, which we're talking about. There's what the patient wants, but there's also clinician experience because clinicians have seen in practice the way certain types of people will react mm-hmm. to certain types of therapies, or you know the extent of the injury, how long it's been going on, may change things. Other comorbidity. There's so much to consider. Let's not be reductionistic in our approach to healthcare.
0: Well, I like, it, like we talked during the break, I know people who run homeopathy clinics. They are dead set. I mean, the big one is vaccinations. They're like yeah. that is that might be it's a death sentence to them. Is don't vaccinate your yeah. kids. But then yeah. there's others who say homeopathy is complete malargony. Yeah,
1: and, and again, I think I think it's a it's a debate. Mm-hmm. right um that that sure can be had but i, I think the, the the downfall here is when people just become reductionistic they can say that something is absolutely bad or something is absolutely good we we need to understand more about healthcare uh, we need to keep doing more and more research and we also again have to understand from a general standpoint what is b- because the problem with a lot of these things it starts getting based on individual cases mm-hmm. and you can't not base uh policies and things like that on individual cases we have to take into consideration the gross benefit to the gross population 416-870-6400
0: star 640 on cell would love to hear from you this morning marcos good morning Hey, good morning how are you doing this good belt what's up uh i got an issue
2: i don't know if uh, the doctor can uh, guide me through i'll explain
0: i'll try
1: i
2: had a problem with the right shoulder i went to uh um uh, uh chinese guy and he fixed that side now it's the other side and now this other side is getting so bad that the movement fit is less than 50 percent. either way you want to do it i did an mri where it had a little torn but now the muscle is leaving me and the arm is getting very small what do i do to to, to fix that
1: so so let's go back a sec so you so the actual muscle muscle bulk is getting smaller Yes. Yeah. So anytime you start to have what's called that, the medical term for that would be atrophy. So when we look at areas of the body that have started to lose um, mass, uh, there's usually two causes to that. It's either neurological or vascular. So if there's some type of hindrance in blood flow, that could create that. Or if there's a decrease in nerve conduction and nerve energy, that can create that same type of problem. So likely it's not the tear Uh, The other thing, well, I shouldn't say it's not the tear. The other thing that, again, is hard to assess over the phone is sometimes people have such bad pain uh, and limited range that they stop using that side and that. Dismissed use of that limb also may cause a certain small amount of atrophy. But usually in my experience, when I've seen significant atrophy, significant loss of muscle mass, you have to have to consider the nerve component and the vascular component of that area. Uh, and if I had to pick out of one of those two, usually it's the neurological because there's a lot of other things that would go along with vascular. If you were losing blood supply, you'd, you you know your your arm would essentially start to die off if you had no blood supply. So that usually becomes... Very bad, very quickly. So, if you're calling yep. me about it, I, I would yep. start to point in more the mornings, to. Yeah, go in ahead. The
2: mornings when I wake up, I can hardly move the arms. The, yeah. you know, the, the pain would move from the shoulder to the elbow for a certain time in the day. Yep. Then it moves from the 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 elbow to the wrist, another time of the day. And it goes to the palm, and then it keeps repeating itself. Yeah. And,
1: and so steps. that type of referral pattern is very, very consistent with neurological types of problems. Could be, And again, when I say neurological, that's broad class. We can start very, very basic with what we would call a peripheral entrapment, so a specific muscle creating pressure on a specific nerve that goes to a specific area. Then we can move towards the axial skeleton, which is the brain and the spinal cord. So maybe something on a, like a disc herniation, something within the spinal cord. It's something within the brain, lots of different possibilities. But as a a broad class, I would call that it sounds like a neurological type of problem and neurological in nature, which means you have to do a proper neurological exam, which I always talk about that I do with every single patient. And the things that I pick up are scary to see that things are being missed like this. There's lots of people out there that think they have these very very small problems and have huge problems, and then I also see people who think they have huge problems and they don't have huge yeah. problems. And so, uh, get checked. Don't don't be your own doctor. Don't don't rely on Doctor Google. That's for sure.
0: Marcos, how about this 55 Doctor Lou D R L O U. Call that number and a free consultation. By the way, get it going with with Doctor Lou here for the rest. Give us a call. We got open phone lines four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on sale. We'll continue the two hour edition. Of the Doctor Payne Show, talk radio, AM six forty. The Doctor Payne Show 416-870-6400, star six forty on cell. And uh, the doctor, before we take the calls, just taking a quick selfie. Isn't that nice? my
1: wife is mm-hmm. doing all the social media stuff? Keeps bugging Gosh me. Got the- working. Yeah, yeah, can't give her a weekend she's like, off, send man. She me a picture, and the one that I just sent her, she's like, "This is horrible. I can't use these." Because <laughs> I'm in it. Yeah, yeah. It. Robert,
0: <laughs> good morning. Is that me? Yeah, that is you, Robbie. You are the only one <laughs> I have
3: on right now. <laughs> hey, doctor. I, uh, How are you? I had a problem with my arm for about a year. Mm-hmm. I went through CAT scans, uh, barium tests, x rays, everything, and they couldn't figure out what it was. Mm-hmm. And then a buddy of mine who has a, a massage experts uh, franchise. Uh, nice I nice little in, plug
1: there. Yeah.
3: on <laughs> in for a uh, massage. So. He found some muscle knots in between my spine and my shoulder blade. Mm-hmm. He, you know, kneaded those out like a, like a baker kneads out dough. Yeah, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And pain was gone. So yep. I figure, and nobody can tell me this, but... I figured that that muscle knot was grabbing the nerves running down my arm and causing the pain. but
1: Pot- Potentially, uh, the- there's something else also called uh, trigger points. And what trigger points are, see, when you look at the anatomy, there's the nerves come out of, of the spine at every single level. Now, one corresponding nerve can go to a lot of different areas. And so right. what ends up happening, and sometimes it may go to a muscle for movement and another area goes for sensation of a part of the skin, et cetera, et cetera. And so what happens with referral pattern, uh, is that muscles can have an area of problem like a knot like you're describing uh, but can send the pain in other areas and, and I see this a lot with especially in the upper body like related to desk work things like that even in the legs there can be things areas of problems that are just simply muscular not necessarily the nerve itself but the muscle has a problem the muscle is then sending a message back through uh, the nerve to the spinal cord the spinal cord is turning the message around because that's what happens it's it's a it's a feedback loop and sending it to other areas and and so it's a little bit different than say something like a pinch nerve which is what we would call ridiculous where you can actually trace out the nerve and referral pain is much more general so it is possible that if just working on the muscle and there was pain going into the back that it could have just been a simple referral pattern and trigger point therapy is very very effective which massage therapists uh, tend to be great at that acupuncture is also great for that but yeah that that does sound like what it could have been. Excuse me.
3: Okay, I yeah. just wanted to um, to add that in case uh, we could help
1: somebody. Yeah, for sure. No, big, big. Uh, a lot of you know that's that's the part of um, when I look at a patient. That's everything you have to consider, right? And, and you have to consider any potential pain generating source that's what i always look right. for i hear a problem and then i think okay what are all the potential things that could generate these signs and symptoms that this person is experiencing and then my physical exam and my other testing is all based on ruling in ruling out those problems so after i'm done with a history nine after i've finished talking to somebody for about 15 20 minutes i'm already 95 96% certain i know what's going on just because that's the detective work right. what someone tells you is is the key there's a saying that listen to what the patient telling you because they're giving you the diagnosis and so i listen to that and my physical exam and my testing is just basically to rule in and rule out the things that i've already considered uh and and that's the way that you know most good therapists go about it for sure 416-870-6400
0: star 640 on cell give us a call we'd love to hear from you nick good morning
4: hi good morning how are you
0: good pal what's happening with you
4: uh i've got a question about the shoulder as well Okay. Um, you you mentioned that there it could be a vascular thing or a, um, a neurological thing. What if what if it is in fact a tear, uh, a rotator cuff injury, perhaps? Mm-hmm. That, I think that that's. I haven't been to um to get an MRI done, but I, I get a feeling that that's that's what it is. Um, what do you think about stem cell injection shots?
2: Uh,
1: again, it depends on what the problem is. See the the problem with tears is tears are very similar to saying like degenerative joint disease or degenerative disc disease. You have to understand that a lot of tears are just wear and tear because our bodies get old and they're not necessarily the pain generating source. So, A lot of times what ends up happening is someone has shoulder pain. They go to see somebody, usually their family doctor, because that's the first point of contact. And that family doctor is going to send for an x-ray and they're going to send for an ultrasound. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you that if you're older than, you know, 22, 23 years old. Which I am. Yeah, nine times out of ten, you're going to get an x-ray and an ultrasound back that's going to say, yeah, there's a little bit of mild arthritis there and there's also some mild tearing in the tendons. Insignificant If it does not correlate with the physical exam, that's where you, then the next step is getting someone who understands musculoskeletal issues very, very well and makes that the only thing they do to understand, do the symptoms that the person is experiencing correlate with the imaging findings? Because a lot of the times the research on imaging findings, um, for things like tears and degenerative disc disease and degenerative joint disease is about 50-50. And what that means is there's people out there that have really, really bad tears and degenerative disc disease and they have no pain. And then you have people who have lots of pain and have nothing there. So the correlation yeah. needs to be made clinically. It can't just be made on, uh, on the image. But let me talk about that when we get back
0: one Doctor Lou drlou is the number to call. Make a uh, make an appointment, free consultation, and to call on the radio station. We'd love to talk to you. We're here at 1 o'clock today. It's uh, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. It's the Dr. Pain Show, talk radio, AM 640. Dr. Pain Show, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Anthony, thanks for uh, thanks for hanging in, pal. How are you?
2: Very good. Thank you very much for your time today. And uh, I just wanted to follow up on the discussion uh, Dr. Payne, on the uh, shoulder and the numbness yeah. uh, of that gentleman mm-hmm. and the pain in his shoulders. My wife uh, had a severe uh, car accident uh, just days before we were married, and uh, and uh, the complications from that were quite grave. Mm-hmm. Uh, but over the years, and it's been 30 years that we've been together now, and it's wonderful
5: Congratulations. Uh, but she does
2: have this syndrome all the time mm-hmm. and uh what we're doing is we're doing that massage treatment right between the shoulder blades and the spinal cord and that does relieve a lot of the uh numbness and the pain in that area it seems that there's a uh situation there that uh does affect that and uh my background is uh kinesiology from waterloo okay yeah so, uh i have a little bit of, of an application there yeah uh, a, a of course, you always look for the best solutions. Yeah. And I was just wondering, on uh, on naturopathic medicine, mm-hmm. uh, what do you see as uh, solutions on those aspects? Do you see anything else besides, uh, you know, the, the massage treatments and uh, uh, let's call it the electric... Uh,
1: well, especially, An- An- yeah, Anthony, especially when you're dealing with something that's chronic and has been going on for a very, very long period of time, That multifactorial, multimodal approach that I was talking about at the beginning of the show becomes even more important. So throwing everything at it is very, very important. Now, one thing to understand about chronic pain, chronic pain also creates a psychological component. And every time I talk about this, people say, so you're saying I'm crazy. That's not what I'm saying. All I'm saying is that you're and I'm not saying that you're suggesting that, but I just want to clear it up for everybody listening. Our brain is the processing system for every single thing that happens in our body. Mm-hmm. The same way when you're, you watch a child learn to take their first steps, they are very much focusing on it. And then you see that child that's six, seven years old and they're running around and they're not thinking about that step. That's the exact same thing that happens with pain. As you start to learn pain, pain becomes something that you start to experience every day because you start to create neural pathways um so and and those neural pathways matter so there's the psychological component that needs to be dealt with with chronic pain there's the physical component uh which are the things like you're suggesting uh the the massage the therapy etc and then there's also the biochemical perspective of the body and how that interacts especially with chronic issues this is where i'm a bit of a believer that you know being on hard narcotics and opiates we we see how dangerous it is long term so in this chronic scenario may not be the best approach and and this is where the naturopathic medicine may play a greater role those other things may be much more important in the acute stage and short lived you don't want to use those interventions for very very long uh, but long term uh, having that naturopathic approach one of the other things about pain uh, is diet the diet aspect which i know the naturopaths that i work with focus on that a lot there are a lot of things in our diet and the things that we consume in the world that are natural, uh, that naturally cause inflammation in our body. And so eliminating those things, and inflammation is pain, right? So eliminating those uh, inflammatory products that we have uh, can help someone's pain levels. But in in a case like you're discussing with your wife, chronic, uh, very bad accident, I've seen cases like that a lot, Uh, a full multimodal approach of physical, psychosocial, and biochemical is absolutely what you got to throw at it.
2: Well,
0: thank you very much. No I appreciate problem. Appreciate your time today. Yep. And God's blessings. Thank you, Anthony. I appreciate that. We'll get to uh, we'll get to Ravi. Hey, Ravi, how are
4: you? I've seen cases like that a lot. Uh,
0: Ravi. You a a Ravi. Psychosocial and no. Oh, that's that's, a, that's me yeah. talking. That's yeah, you talking. You are hearing yourself? I've never, a little, heard a yeah. <laughs> never heard Ravi, that Little Twilight Zone is you for it. Never Ravi. Turn down your radio. Ravi, turn down your radio. <laughs> <laughs> No, Ravi's not doing it. No, all right, we'll, not, we'll get to Ravi eating. later. <laughs> so, a lot said there about all the different components of pain, right? So much goes uh, 100%. into it. hundred
1: percent, and and you know, I'm all I'm a big believer, um, and I'm not a believer just because out of nowhere. It's because I've done my homework on all of this. I've studied it for a long time. I've made pain my focus and on how to to get people pain free. And you know, the other thing is even that term pain free is is you know, pain care Canada. My, my I call it pain care for a reason because. A lot of the times, it's hard to eliminate something forever, and sure. that's a big discussion that I have with every single... You know, one of the biggest things that I do is education with patients. People come in, and after just talking to me, they tell me, I feel better just from talking to you because they get an understanding, and And our healthcare system is so broken in that regard that people have problems, and they're not told what's wrong with them. They don't understand it, and education and empowerment is probably the thing that I see most in the research that helps people that live with pain understanding what's going on giving them an approach where they can make the difference in themselves is absolutely the key to getting better and and we have to understand that all these things oftentimes you meet people that are just doing the physical approach or just doing the biochemical intervention approach and they're not getting better and they're not realizing it's because there's so many components on how you experience pain from the physical, the biochemical, and the psychosocial, that if you're not intervening in all three ways, how can you potentially make it better, right? You have to target the problem in order to get better. So uh, it, it's, it, and it goes case to case. And this is why I encourage people, give me a call, one 55 doctor Lou. Leave me a message. Uh, I will get back to you. We'll discuss what's going on. If I think it's something that I can assess, I'll make that recommendation. If I think you have to go somewhere else, I'll make that recommendation. S- simple.
0: Ravi, we'll try you again. Hey, how are you? You Hi.
5: Yep. Hi. You hearing me now? Yeah, Yeah.
0: I am now. What's going on?
5: So, I've had a shoulder, uh, some mild shoulder pain for about two to three months, and I thought it was just a mild strain. I went to the doctor. Mm -hmm. He put me on naproxen for two weeks and rest. It didn't go away. Um, My impression is it. Uh, wasn't as bad when I was doing light exercise Mm -hmm. Um, I've got a Bowflex and I just do sort of general small you know routine exercises Mm -hmm. on it Mm -hmm. Um, so I went back to him and he said okay well you need to go for an MRI which is scheduled for August and he sent me for physiotherapy as well so I went to the physiotherapist and he did a bunch of tests and he says he thinks I've got a frozen shoulder right Um, I've started doing some work on it that's the first session I'm actually on my way to go and see him now yeah I'm just wondering about: Should I do an ultrasound? Um, do I continue doing exercises to help it? You know, what well, other sort of information? What else?
1: Yeah. Again, and so so. Anytime I deal with pain, again, pain is that's just a symptom that doesn't tell me exactly what the problem is and the intervention for say a tear versus an adhesive capsulitis which is frozen shoulder is very very different so I the, the first step in getting better is getting the right diagnosis mm-hmm. if you have the wrong diagnosis we treat based on diagnosis that's how we work in the, in the medical field you have a diagnosis and there's a certain treatment that works for that diagnosis if your diagnosis is wrong then clearly the treatment is not going to work and so that That's step one, is how do you uh, make sure that the diagnosis is right? Uh, And part of what I also do is second opinions. People come in, they've already been told stuff, they have MRIs, they have things. And and we can take a look at it. It's very hard, Ravi, over the phone for me to say, well, yeah, you should be doing exercises or you should be getting an ultrasound. Because, again, I have to do a thorough assessment in order to understand exactly what's going on with you. And based on that, then we come to a diagnosis. Based on that diagnosis, that's how I make my treatment recommendations. I give the very best evidence-based approach and answer to the diagnosis uh, or for treatment based on the diagnosis. Does that make sense?
5: Yeah, no, no, it makes sense. I mean, I'm a pathologist, so I understand. Oh, that.
1: then you, you, no one's going to understand it more than a pathologist.
5: So my question is, I mean, obviously my GP is not a specialist, and he, you know, he refers me to someone else. My question is, is a diagnosis from a certified physiotherapist enough to have a diagnosis, or do I need to go to an orthopedic specialist?
1: I would definitely say that you know, it, and it goes case to case, right? I work with some family doctors who are very, very well versed in the musculoskeletal yeah. system, and I work with others that know nothing about it. Um, right. So, it, it and the same thing on the physiotherapist stand front. I, I know some that are absolutely amazing, and I know some that you know don't know their elbow from their from their knee. Yeah. Uh, so that that's the bigger thing. It really depends if you, if the person that you're dealing with, uh, the physiotherapist, you think is is knowledgeable and it makes sense what he's saying. The other thing that I encourage is, is is challenge him. Say, okay, why is it this diagnosis that you believe? Show me. Because an adhesive capsulitis, a frozen shoulder, uh, has certain characteristics associated with it. The first stage is is limitation of range of motion. So that's the first thing I would say. If it, That's why it's called frozen shoulder. So if your shoulder, if you're unable to move, and there's a tightness versus a weakness that restricts that motion, it already sounds more like a frozen shoulder. So um, if you think the person that you're seeing is good, then I I would definitely probably take someone who understands more about musculoskeletal issues over, you know, a family doctor that maybe isn't as well-versed. But again, your
0: family doctor
1: may be well-versed
0: in that. We'll take a short break. Your phone calls, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Lots to go right here till 1 o'clock today, the Dr. Payne Show Talk Radio, AM 640. We are getting to your calls as we go through here. Caroline, uh, welcome. How are you?
6: I'm good. How are you? Good.
0: What's your concern?
6: So, um... I have uh, apparently, a, a, okay, so it's uh, a, I have a tear in my knee and a sprain in my knee.
1: Okay. And
6: uh, it's a meniscus. I can't even say these words.
1: Meniscus? So
6: men- yes, uh, that's the tear <laughs> I have. And so um, they wanted me to see a surgeon, and I right. have an appointment for next week because the MRI came out like that, the x-ray came out, mm-hmm. and I'd been seeing an acupuncture. Yep. The very first day I did the acupuncture, when I got off the table, I could walk, mm-hmm. and it was like I could walk, and that was the first time in months. Right. And I've been every week, and uh, for about three weeks, I don't feel the same pain. Mm-hmm. Is that normal, or am I masking it?
1: Well, I think what's important is that you're better, and I think that's the the important thing to focus on. With tears in the meniscus, um, you know, the thing here is, is a lot of knee surgeons, that's that's like their bread and butter is doing scopes for, for simple meniscus stuff, and then once it's a little bit more serious is uh, um, doing the total knee replacement. But again, going back to the way I started, I'm always a believer of try more minimally invasive procedures before you jump. Uh, to anything like surgery. And, and in fact, most of the, I work actually with a few knee surgeons and, uh, and they would say the same thing. We'll try some therapy before you do it. And if it gets better then great. Uh, and if it doesn't, then we'll consider it. But I think if you've done some type of an intervention and you're better from it, uh, you know, placebo is a very, very important thing in healthcare. Uh, and, you know, and, and it doesn't really matter at the end of the day, whether it was the actual acupuncture or the belief that you had the acupuncture that got you better. I think the important thing to focus on is that you're better. And sometimes uh, meniscal tears can kind of um, get better on their own too. Natural history. Sometimes they're not horrible. It depends where it is, the type of tear, uh, all those things matter towards the prognosis. But I would say, again, the important thing here for you uh, is that you're better. And if you're better, I, I don't know that jumping to surgery or or you know you could also the other thing is go do the consultation uh, with the surgeon right and get their opinion uh, you don't they may very well say well the same thing that I'm saying you're better so you don't need anything uh, besides just getting that opinion.
6: What I'm worried about is I I did this in uh, the end of October early November we thought because I have Crohn's right. so all the symptoms we thought the Crohn's had gone into the leg you know through the from inflammation. And so I was going through this up until about a month ago. I've just been dealing with this horrible pain. Like I can't get down on the carpet with kids. I can't do anything. And now I've been doing this. And what I'm worried about is that, you know, if I go and do all the things I want to do, am I going to make it worse because I'm Mm -hmm. masking?
1: Right. And so, yeah, Yeah. I I get what you're saying. And so here's. The, that's So this is the psychosocial component that I talk about pain. One of the things that I'll often talk about with patients is what's called fear avoidance behavior. So because you have an issue, you're afraid to do things because that fear that you may make it worse. The, the thing that I could tell you is this. Number one, everything that you're going to do, gradually reintroduce it. And your body is very, very smart. Listen to it. If you start to reintroduce something uh, and your body says, okay, it's starting to hurt, you feel pain in that area. Just dismiss what you're doing, right? So, so you should base your fear of movement on actual fact and not just the perception that it could potentially hurt it. Does that make sense? Do you get kind of yes. what I'm saying? Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. So I would say that you know reintroduce those things, okay. see how it's going. If you feel no, this doesn't feel right, okay. then stop. Base your fears on on reality, not just perception. Is very, very important in pain management.
0: Brian, will uh, we'll squeeze you in here before the break. What's going on with you? Hey, Brian.
6: Hey there! Um, I'm interested in knowing, in Canada, um, with intravenous, can you either get chelation therapy or uh, vitamin C?
1: Can you get those things from a naturopath, you mean? Yeah,
3: anywhere in Canada, because I, I appreciate the the study you guys
6: are talking about, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the whole vision.
3: But I, I'm aware of
6: it in the U.S., but I can't seem to locate whether you can get that...
1: Chelation, the intravenous chelation. Yeah. Does, our, our call screener has your number. I don't, I'll speak to the naturopaths that I work with. I don't, I can't say that I can give you a 100% answer right now, but I can definitely find out for you and then I can uh, give you a call and let you know.
0: Brian will uh, we'll follow up with you for sure everyone else so 185555 Dr Lou is the number to get that free consultation happening go see Dr Lou as soon as you can we got open phone lines you want to call through by the way we're not done we're here till one o'clock this afternoon four 6400 star 640 on cell. Dr Payne show talk radio am640 Dr Payne show call that number free consultations as well you're on Twitter and Facebook as yeah, well right I got your my handle? wife
1: she takes care of all that stuff and she's bugging me right now that I- <laughs> To tell everybody to, to add me, Facebook, Twitter, uh, uh, Instagram, just type in Dr. Lou, you'll find us, or at Pain Care Canada. Uh, she, a lot of cool stuff that we post all the mm-hmm. time. I go through everything. I'm just not the best tech guy, but my wife takes care of all that stuff, and it's all approved by me. But a lot of these things, great articles, uh, great tips on pain management videos. So, uh, you know, add us uh, and, and follow us, and then that way you can get the help that you need. Day-to-day, we'll bug
0: you on social media. <laughs> 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Scott, thanks for hanging in. How are you? Not bad. Yourself? Good. What's going on with you?
4: Well, um, I have an MRI result in front of me. Just wondering if I could uh, give you a quick breakdown of it. G- give you know, it to me. Go go
1: to, go to the – don't read the findings. Go to the impression. That way that gives me the diagnosis.
4: Okay. Impression. I can't really – I don't really know
1: what that is. It should be uh, the last section. It would say uh, clinical impression or diagnosis usually. Usually it says impressions.
4: Uh, no, all I got is the findings. Oh, okay. Well,
1: give me the findings.
4: Okay. It says there's moderate grade OA M plate changes and severe DDD at uh, L5-S1 with moderate DDD at T12-L1 and mildly from L1 to L3. Okay. Bingo. It goes further into L4, L5, mild to moderate annular disc bulge,
0: severe
4: ligamentum, flavum hypertrophy, and mild apopesal OA causing mild to moderate central spinal canal stenosis, Stenosis. mild bilateral neuroframinal impingement, probably, yeah. Goes into L 5s one. Yeah, moderate annular disc bulge, moderate ligamentum flavum hypertrophy, and moderate apophysial O A causing moderate.
0: Okay, uh, and
4: a part so, of so I, and I a already parentry. know what the rest
1: is going to say okay. because it's yes. very very common MRI. That how old are you? I'm thirty two. Yeah, thirty two. So the you know some of that stuff again. The mild O A is again, and and degenerative disc disease is wear and tear of the spine. It's yeah. bound to happen. Uh, small uh, disc bulges, again, as things wear, the space for the disc diminishes, things start to bulge out a little. Uh, the, the canal stenosis, again, as you start to get arthritic changes, wear and tear, every single hole that's in the spine for a nerve for the spinal cord is going to become a little bit more closed. Now, uh, like I, like I always say, the next step is does what we see on that MRI correlate with what you feel day to day and with your physical exam? So what's going on with you?
4: Uh, well, I can't even really stand up straight most days. Uh, it takes very long to get from point A to point B. My quality of life is severely diminished. So,
1: what what originally uh, happened? Like, how long has this been going on?
4: Uh originally, I think it's about six years ago. I hurt myself twisting at work. Uh, a okay. Big bulge come out on the side of my spine. Went to a doctor. He said it was RA. Give me some uh, arthritic medication. Sent me back to work. Right. A uh, few years the pain actually kind of went away about six months after the initial injury mm-hmm. uh so i continued to work and then over time it just started to come back slowly and now within the last eight months it has hmm. got to the point where i i it's it hurts to wipe my own backside okay. some days right <laughs> yeah, yeah, i don't know how else to word it. no it's no yeah. so what have you
1: done from a treatment standpoint
4: uh well just the mri they told me a surgical so you've done no therapy whatsoever? I have no idea what
1: to do. Right. right. Okay. So then that that's a big problem because uh, it does sound like on the initial impact, usually when people say I, I was twisting and bending, uh, that usually points me to disc issues because that's usually how... Uh, problems happen uh, and then you know that leads to a disc problem uh, again leads to back pain which over time leads to to the learned component of back pain and then you get the onset of what we would call chronic mechanical low back pain which is it sounds like what you have but in the absence of any intervention you need anytime you have a physical problem there has to be a level of physical intervention and so you do need some type of therapy uh, in terms of exactly which therapy you need uh, that's, again, a, a harder question to answer just, you know, over the phone here and on the radio because I need to assess it. I need to see clinically how you're presenting, where are there limitations in range of motion, are there any specific orthopedic findings, et cetera, et cetera. So definitely something that we can uh, we can take a look at. I see uh, you're calling from up north somewhere. Uh, oh, yeah. we, we have a provider network all across uh, Ontario, so we can get you somewhere to, uh, to get this checked out. But uh, I'll definitely give you a call after the show, and uh, we can talk a little more.
0: Scotty, moving forward, 1-855-55, Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U. Make that phone call, free consultation. Follow him on Twitter, Facebook as well. And uh, for your phone calls, we'll take a short break over the top of the hour and get right back into our second hour here. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Hour 2, Dr. Payne Show, coming right off Talk Radio, Ham 640. Make that consultation, make that call. Follow him on Facebook, Twitter as well, and Instagram, 416 870 6,400 star, six forty on cell. Donna, thank you for hanging in. How are you?
7: Good. How about
0: you? Good. What's your uh, What's your concern?
7: Uh, I I've been diagnosed with severe psoriatic arthritis.
8: Mm-hmm.
7: Uh, it's very, very painful. Yeah. Um, uh, the only thing that we ha- that the doctor, um, a specialist, has found is that um, that I have found that works for me mm-hmm. is prednisone. Right. And the doctor wants to take me off of it all the time. She's always you know saying that I shouldn't be on it. That's, for a long time, yeah, so I've been on it now three years. So, right. how bad is it? Like, because I've talked to other people; that have been on for years. Well, um,
1: okay. So, let's start with a couple things, uh, Donna. How old are you? Uh,
7: Fifty-eight.
1: Fifty-eight, and uh, any history of osteoporosis in the family?
7: Um, I don't know about. Uh, I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure about that. But I, she did just tell me. The, um, l- my last visit that I um, have osteoarthritis too now, though.
1: Yeah, not osteoarthritis, osteoporosis, which is when bones actually start to uh, lose their density. So she sent you oh. for uh, DEXA scans to look at uh, your bone yeah. mineral density. I mean, the, the, the big thing with osteoporosis is it's more common in postmenopausal women. So you're you're right around where it would be the most common. The issue with prednisone is it's a corticosteroid. Uh, and the biggest thing with it is it decreases bone mineral density. Now, prednisone is a very, very uh, strong corticosteroid. And it's great because when people are in very acute scenarios, like you get someone with a severe pneumonia or whatever issue, like really bad, you give it prednisone, it'll clear a lot of things up. The problem is with its prolonged use uh, can lead to a lot of problems. So even in those instances where we have patients that we got to give them prednisone for a short period of time, when you're on prednisone, even for a short period of time, I forget what the exact numbers are, but it's pretty significant. The increased risk of fracture, especially somewhere like in the femur, uh, that can be potentially very, very dangerous. So prolonged use of... um, of prednisone, yeah, it could be very, very dangerous L- the next thing I wanted to ask you with the psoriatic arthritis, where exactly do you have pain?
7: Oh, mostly everywhere,
1: <laughs> so it's all, um, it's widespread I,
7: I understood it's in my breath in my in my blood, like it's widespread, so it gets, feels like it's in my flesh, it's not in any one bone or any one area, but it does hurt, let's say more in my hands and my wrist in my yeah. arms, and my arms yeah. So anytime
1: you you start to talk about like a psoriatic arthritis, that's an autoimmune disorder where your immune system, yes, your blood... Uh, is attacking your body and usually it'll attack joints Um, and you know psoriatic arthritis is one of those things on the autoimmune arthritides uh, where you know if you can't find something else that has uh, you know like a rheumatoid arthritis that actually has specific findings or like a lupus or an ankylosing spondylitis and there's a history of psoriatic arthritis then it's termed psoriatic arthritis Uh, regardless it's autoimmune which is the important component here Uh, I've seen clinically it, it you're right it does tend to affect people most mostly hands, neck, and knees, uh, and in the sacral area, uh, for sure. I've Um, had a
7: lot of neck pain lately, so that explains
1: that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so so definitely there's an inflammatory component there, right, which is what an autoimmune... um, problem is, what other medications have they tried with you?
7: Uh, Celebrex, and also I'm taking Plaquenil, which I don't think that Celebrex worked for about a year, right? And then quit working, and then so I went back on Predazone mm-hmm. and then now she she tried to put me on Plaquenil,
1: mm-hmm.
7: and with uh, limited Prednisone. But now that's not, that's
1: not yeah, working. I mean, again, again I, would, I would encourage you to go back, speak with that rheumatologist, uh, start getting some plan. The other thing that becomes important uh, with these things is, is, again, the way I started the show, that there's the biochemical interventions. You may also want to consider throwing a lot of other things at the problem so that you can uh, minimize the amount of biochemical intervention that you have. And what I mean by that is start doing some therapy with somebody who knows a lot about psoriatic arthritis in terms of a physical perspective, maybe mm. dealing with... With a more natural approach as well uh, also continuing you know the medications that are requir- required another big issue with autoimmune disorders is again the psychosocial component so working with a team uh, of healthcare professionals all dedicated to different areas of that um, spectrum of, of uh, interventions is going to be very important. And what it could do long term is minis- minimize the amount of uh, biochemical intervention that you have to have. Because again, prednisone over a long period of time can be potentially very dangerous and, and you know should be something that uh, you, you find a way to try to minimize. And that's exactly why your rheumatologist wants to minimize that.
7: Yeah, 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 I I understand that but like when you're in much pain and there's nothing else that works, I don't know what else to Well, do.
1: that but that's what I'm saying there are other things that work if you take it from a full multimodal approach. So mm-hmm. let, let's have this discussion a little bit more off air cuz this is when it starts to uh border on very very specific and 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 I'll give you a call. I have I believe our our call screener has your number and we could touch base and and see if there's anything else we can do.
0: Donna, there's also 1 855 55 Dr. Lou, D R L O U. We'll take a, a short break, get to more of your phone calls. You want to call through? We've got open lines. Love to hear from you until 1 o'clock this afternoon. This is a special two hour edition of the Dr. Payne Show. 416 870 6400 star 640 on sale. Talk radio, AM 640. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 416 870 6400 star 640 on sale. Eric, appreciate you hanging in there, fella. How are you?
9: Oh, I'm good man. I'm good. Thanks. Good. What's your concern? Oh, no concern. I uh, I've actually been waiting for a longer program to so I can for sure just keep calling in and actually talk to somebody that's in the uh healthcare profession Cool. A okay. registered doctor. So hi doctor Lou. How are you? Good, yeah. I'm very well, thank you. So um I, I did have a specific type of question. Um sure. in your profession as a medical practitioner, mm-hmm. um Have you ever been introduced to the concept of the photoelectric effect that was uh, what Einstein actually won his Nobel Prize for versus uh, gravity, or m equals MC squared that we always see on the memes online? Right. But uh, the fact that um, we have two photo concentration devices built into our head called our eyes, and we're told to shield them from the sun when that's actually providing two-thirds of our cellular energy and ATP, which is the currency that we do everything from thinking to moving with. Right. I was wondering if you'd been introduced to that concept and if you'd ever heard of a doctor named Dr. Jack Cruz with a K.
1: I have not been introduced to the concept. I have not heard of that doctor. I am
9: so glad that you said that because now I know that I'm the person that told you and I can have that satisfaction. All right. Um,
1: <laughs> however, I, I do agree with you with the another important thing that happens. Uh, we often talk about vitamin D and, and the great exposure that we get Pre-hormone. to the sun. Mm-hmm. And actually, the majority of vitamin D is actually absorbed around the eyes. So I agree with you on the point yeah. that we're always being told to be to shield our eyes and not realizing the benefit that comes yeah. uh, from, from some
9: exposure. Sorry, and I, 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 I'm a talker. I apologize. Well, you know what? I, I, I'll, give you, I'll give you a couple that.
1: minutes. It's you daily, go for it.
9: It's a daily, you know, but I, I just don't want to appear rude because I uh, sometimes have a little bit of short-term memory stuff, so I have to kind of plow on. So, um, <laughs> so uh, if we shield our eyes from the sun at any time, other than if we're in front of, like, say, a large body of water and we're getting complete, like, reflective surfaces, mm-hmm. bouncing it back to us in further concentration, it's not normal and or if you were skiing on an al- on an alpine yeah. mountain driving you know, when
1: it's a snowy day or, yep
9: yeah you have to wear like polarized sunglasses sure. to totally block that cuz it is actually yeah, to because immediate damage yeah right yeah. 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 however if we do not repeatedly expose ourselves in our own natural environment we do not develop what's known as a solar callus on our eyes and in our in our the way our collagen develops in our skin And that is our body's way of allowing us to go longer and longer in the correct amount of sunlight and generate that pre-vitamin D that begins the process of photosynthesis. And that's the only way that it happens. so if we're putting on sunscreen and we're putting uh, no sun on our eyes, then we're actually decreasing our ATP production at source. Mm -hmm. Two thirds of what makes our ATP. So Dr. Cruz, who's such an amazing, he's like a Renaissance man. The word doctor means teacher and he is, the epitome of a teacher because he's actually teaching people, regular people, and he has a spot on his site for doctors because he teaches people how to talk to, you know, people that are at a very high authority level to be able to say to them, hey, can you come and start talking to this guy because he's got all these protocols on his site he's giving them out for free and it's based on the most current in the medical research library that only he has access to or you as a doctor dr lou have access to regular citizens unless they pay a lot of money can't see those things
1: well you know what eric i i think it's a it's a very interesting thing i'd you know i will touch base with you we could talk more about it we do have some calls that we uh have to get to but again I, i i'm always a believer that learning new things uh is very very important and i'm never afraid to say when i don't know something and i don't know very much about Um, the photoelectric effect uh, theory that you're speaking of. uh, But I definitely would love to learn more. So, yeah, we'll touch base on that.
0: Hey, Scott, how are you? How are you doing? Good. What's going on with you?
10: My phone is crapping out.
0: No, you (laughs) sound okay.
10: If I lose you guys, just carry on without me. I got
0: you. All right, we'll we'll definitely do that.
10: (laughs) All right, I I was watching a lot of Dr. John Bergman from Huntington Beach, California, uh, about his chiropractic adventures. And something came up with uh, what's been bothering me for decades, his hiatus hernia. And I know it can be, I can easily control it if I stay away from grains or wheat products or uh, because I don't have the inflammation in that area. And it, but that's separate to what apparently it can be cured or stopped with thoracic adjustments or something and physically pushed back down through the diaphragm from externally. Have you heard about that?
1: I have. I would definitely say that the research supports more your original approach of diminishing the foods that cause inflammation. Uh, right. There's probably no good research that I've ever seen. And again, I'm a chiropractor myself, actually. Uh, yeah. But there's nothing that I've ever seen. And and I am somewhat. You know, sometimes you have to be. Um, what's the right word? So that I, you know, that I'm not offending anybody. But there does need to be. Uh, research behind things and I do you know when you look at what a a, a hiatal hernia is it is often more related to diet than it is anything else and I I would say that that's the primary intervention that you should be taking to help it and that's how you kind of started it by saying that I can control it by doing those things and the important thing to remember is that anytime you develop an issue you often uh, you very rarely ever get rid of it forever but you learn how to manage it Um, and so I don't know that, you know, I can't say that if someone goes to get thoracic adjustments that it will help their their issue because it may just be a placebo, but there's no good research that I know that suggests that that would be the best treatment intervention for it. Having said that, are there clinical cases of people who have done thoracic adjustments and gotten better from it? Probably. Uh, but, you know, then then the question becomes, is there an actual link or is it placebo? And that's what we have to try to decipher uh, in our um, practices day to day. So I don't advertise uh, that way in terms of uh, that I could help a hiatal hernia with any type of manipulation to the spine, I would say that the diet approach is better.
10: Okay, the combination of the adjustment and apparently strengthening the diaphragm itself, but at the same time, we're before or after, physically mm-hmm. actually pushing the that part of the stomach that's come up through the diaphragm back down through the diaphragm region. I don't personally like things that have place in my body, literally out of place, where you can see it on a, or my my friend who does ultrasounds. I'm, he could see that I had a hiatal hernia because it, it it pushed against the aorta, mm-hmm. yeah, the aorta or something. And I just don't like things being out of place. But if there's no no physical manipulation that can be done then, then well
1: the thing is things out of place there's a lot you know we have what would be the ideal body and yeah. very rarely do does any individual person have the ideal body right so there are always things that could be more uh, optimally set up like i meet lots of people that say oh i have this curve in my spine and again it becomes is it clinically significant mm-hmm. and find me a person with a perfect spine that has perfect curvature like it just isn't you know it's not realistic to think of that stuff and you know a hiatal hernia like you're saying it's something that maybe i guess should not be there or would be considered abnormal but uh, again the important thing is when you look at something like that is okay fine accept that it is what it is how do you, you get it better and again from what i've seen my my recommendation would definitely be the um the dietary uh modifications that help more so than anything else that I've seen.
0: 416 870 6400, star 640 on sale this number uh, The number you want to call, got open lines. want to call, want to talk, got some questions. Bring them on. Dr. Payne is here till one o'clock this afternoon. Free consultations, by the way, you can email info at paincarecanada.com. He's on Twitter, Facebook under Dr. Payne, and uh, the number 1 855 55 Dr. Lou D R L O U, to book that free consultation. Get it happening. More of the Dr. Pain Show coming right up. Talk radio, AM 640. You got time to call through 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Hey, you got something on your I'm phone I'm getting there. bombarded again okay. from
1: the wife about yep. uh, social media. So I was wrong about Instagram. It's <laughs> Dr. Underscore pain underscore is, is where you'll find us on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> You're taking beats after the show. Get it straight, man. She keeps messaging me about this stuff. But, yeah, anyways, I do think it is a good thing. Add us on social media. So let me get this right. Let me look at my phone to make sure. So on Facebook, Dr. Lou, at paincarecanada.com. Instagram, doctor underscore pain underscore again. And then on Twitter, same thing, Dr. Lou. You, sure
0: about you don't this look time? impressed. You sure about it this time? I guess. Do I have to bring your wife on the show and clear this I, up? Or she what?
1: was. She's always asking. She's like, I want to come down one day. I'm like, well, okay. come.
0: We got quiet phones. Yeah, we do have quiet phones. Somewhere. Okay. What we, uh, before we took all these phone calls, what were we talking about? I can't remember.
1: I think healthcare yes, stuff. Yes. Okay. Go figure. <laughs> uh, yeah. The big thing, again, uh, you know, a lot of what we're hearing is, is one of the things that we got to do here is is people are calling this is very very similar to these phone calls to what the consultation is you're going to give me a call one eight five 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 55d r l o u uh, hit option 2 mm-hmm. that's going to let you leave me a message i'm going to listen to that message you can I, the important things to leave is a name phone number to get you, reach you at, and a very, very brief description about what's going on, right? Like if it's back pain, just say back pain. You don't have to go into the extent of it. I'm going to give you a call back. We're going to have a discussion about what the issue is. If I believe it's something that I could potentially help, then I'm going to get you in for an assessment. Uh, But again, if I think it's not something that I can help, because sometimes people call me about other things, then I'm going to recommend what you should do from there. And what are people coming in for assessments for? Mainly uh, musculoskeletal type of issues, anything pain-related. Second opinion stuff, people have MRIs, they've been recommended for surgery or they have an ultrasound and they just want to know a little bit more. That's another thing that I'm doing. Another big thing that I've started to do um, and getting a lot of uh, exposure on this front is there's a lot of people that listen to the show that have either worked for big companies and companies are always looking towards health and wellness, I do free um, public speaking engagement. So give me a call. Get me out to your work. I'll come in, I'll talk to everybody about an issue that's of relevance to that workplace. Sometimes I go talk to construction companies and obviously they want to learn about how to minimize, you know, musculoskeletal injuries related to the physical labor. But other times I go talk to uh, workplaces that, you know, it's mainly in chairs. Exactly. So I'm going to modify it. Uh, And again, this is absolutely free. So why not take advantage of it? it? You know, people always employers always want to do things for their employees to benefit them. Again, even from the employer perspective. Perspective. If you're listening, you have a group of people, education and empowerment on these injuries is how you prevent it. People are always like, yeah, but don't you need the expensive chairs and the really er good ergonomic stuff? No, it's good education is what prevents injuries. Because once people understand what's potentially causing their problem, they become aware. When they become aware, they make modifications to change that. So just the good education and what's it going to cost you? Absolutely nothing. I will come out personally myself, will come out to your work, wherever it is within reason right (laughs) and Vancouver uh, yeah I don't know that I'm going to Vancouver but uh, (laughs) you know across uh southern Ontario for sure um and I'll come out and I'll speak to your work about whatever it is you want me to talk about and I think and I've been doing a ton of these people love it and I and and I love doing it that's my my thing that I enjoy the most is is talking obviously
0: I, I never You never know. No, that. I didn't figure that out at all. 416 870 6400 star 640 on sell. Again, uh, info at paincarecanada.com for email. And get that uh, free consultation. Now, how do we talk? And we like to reflect on it every week because we get so many calls and emails about headaches. This is always a big topic, oh, yeah. right? Headaches and the- seasonal stuff too. I mean, seasonal generally stuff. now well, people are
1: feeling good. Yeah, right. Well, what were we talking about before the end of the show? One of the things that I notice is in the summer, uh, you start to see less people coming in. And why is that? Psychologically, it's summer. They feel better. They're out. They're doing things. And then as soon as you get to September. Boom, it just starts. And as you get closer to December, there's just a spike in the amount that people feel unwell. Uh, And, you know, it could be, you know, related to the seasons that we have here in in Canada. It could be that people just are back to work, whatever it may be. But uh, headaches is definitely something that uh, we see a ton of, a ton of headaches. And, you know, again, when we're looking at headaches, we have to... Usually when I start looking at a headache patient, what I'm doing is I'm determining, okay, is this something malignant because very bad things can cause headaches or is this something on the benign side? And that's where you're dealing with things like cluster headaches, migraines, tension headaches. Um, And then the other thing, a big component that I'm seeing, even when people are diagnosed with migraines, which, you know, tend to be more vascular. I, I usually find that there's always a musculoskeletal component to headaches because of the postures that we're in day to day. There's always a component that the neck, the upper back play in those headaches. Um, the other thing with headaches is, I always talk about it, the headache diary. Yeah, you got huge. You got to track what's causing, uh, you know, when those headaches are happening and be very, very specific, write everything down so that you can start to look for common features. Mm. Once you find common features, that's when you can eliminate it, minimize those headaches. We've always heard about people, you know, that'll say, oh, if I drink red wine. It I'm causes done. me a headache. Yeah. But at least you know, that way you you can make an informed decision. Okay, do I want to have a bread wine tonight? I know I may have a headache, but at least you know that that's potentially coming. Uh, and that's very, very imp- And, you know, that becomes important. We often talk about headache diaries, but I have recommended to other people just general pain diaries. Uh, write down everything around yep. your pain. It allows you and your practitioner to look for common features that you can eliminate.
0: Got open lines. You want to call through till 1 o'clock, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Would love to hear from you. Dr. Payne Show. Talk Radio, AM640. Dr. Show till 1 o'clock, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale Again, uh, free consultations. Get that initial step going, right? Make that phone call and talk to you. At least call get a, a baseline call of what's me. going on, right?
1: It's just a conversation at the yep. end of the day. A lot of people, like, we have a telehealth line in Ontario that's provided through OHIP, and sometimes you have to wait for hours. And obviously, that's more emergency cases. So obviously, mm-hmm. if you're having an emergency, don't call me. Call 911. But for a lot of these low-level aches and pains... Give me a give me a call. It's, it's a conversation. It costs you nothing, uh, and and you may learn a lot, and you may be pointed in the right direction, which may be the first step to being pain free.
0: And sometimes just that basic conversation, it's amazing how how much better someone can feel just by a conversation. It's crazy.
1: Sometimes I meet people and all they're telling me is, you know, just talking to me made them feel better. But it's not the talking. It's the education component. Understanding is so important towards empowerment to get better from pain. Like I can't, I cannot stress that enough. And it's what's missing in our healthcare system. How about kids? You deal with kids a lot too? Yeah, we do actually. We deal with a lot of kids. Uh, in fact, when you look, people tend to often worry more about their kids and their pets, right? So, uh, definitely any, any, yeah, for sure, any issues with kids. Uh, a lot of people, we actually, it was funny. One of my massage therapists uh, was talking to me uh, the other day because he sees a lot of kids, a lot of parents are bringing in their kids. Uh, for massage therapy, just to get them worked on maintenance care. But absolutely. And you know what? That's when you can make the biggest difference towards problems, especially if you as a parent know that you have something. Yeah. Uh, the way to prevent your kid from getting it is potentially get it checked out and start doing the right things now. And it may not be necessarily treatment, but just simple uh, modifications, daily modifications that you can make that can make a, a child better. Like one of the things I'll often get people that come in, they're, you know, 40 years old and they say, I have flat feet. I need orthotics. Okay, fine. You know who orthotics would probably benefit more? The kids who you can have some type of an impact because their bones, uh, their tissues are not fully developed. There's still room for change right. versus at 40 years old. You're stuck with what you got. Yeah.
0: 416 870 6400 star 640 on cell. Elizabeth, good afternoon. Oh. You're not Elizabeth. <laughs> you're Mr. Elizabeth. Hi, how are you?
3: Not bad at all.
0: Perfect. What's your name?
3: My name is Earl. Actually, Earl, hey, what's Earl. going on, Earl? Uh-huh. my girlfriend. That is ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, okay. What's
0: uh? What's the so concern? She's
3: got a problem with her arms. Okay. She wasn't. She was in an accident about a year and about a year and a half ago, and she had been going to doctors and all of that. But uh, for some reason, she had problem with her, with both arms. Sometimes she can't even sleep on them. Okay. We had to have pillars and all that and kind of things to keep her going and uh, she'd been having this headache like one two, three times a week and stuff like that. So I was trying to get her to call directly but I can't find her. <laughs> so <laughs> You've lost her. <laughs> <laughs> So we don't know what the problem really is. And so, so know.
1: has she seen any healthcare professionals for this oh, issue?
3: yes, been in and out with doctors and all of that. But A- any know. therapy? Yes. Okay. That still don't work. It's not working for the way,
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, anytime after accidents, especially car accidents, like when you consider especially bad accidents, these are big vehicles being involved in the, you know, the effects that go through your body. I think are often dismissed by the general public about like, oh, well, it was just a little fender bender. Yeah, in a, you know, three thousand pound car or whatever, yeah. and that force being transferred into your body, uh, you know, can be very, very significant and can cause a lot of different issues. The problem with car accidents. Um, is oftentimes they're dealt with the wrong way. And so, you know, sometimes people focus uh, more on the legal aspect versus getting better. Uh, And, and, you know, and that could be a hindrance towards getting better. And I'm not suggesting that the legal aspect is not important. In fact, I think it's very important. We've had Savannah on this show before uh, talking about that. Uh, but. You know, there there does need to also be a focus on just simply getting better and doing the right things. The next part becomes, um, you know, doing the right things. The problem with a lot of the way the benefits work around uh, car accidents is a lot of clinics are just simply focused on passive therapies and not necessarily active involvement uh, of the patient. So, I mean, Earl, there's a lot of things there uh, that could still be causing her symptoms. It's it's a very, very complicated Uh, thing to go through i am happy to see her and see if there's anything we can do uh to help her and assess her properly uh because again if you if she's dealing with this it is something that she should get taken a look at and and see if she can get better and i and i always do think there is a way to get better. And by getting better, I mean being able to manage it so that you can live uh, daily and enjoy your life because quality is very important. And that's, you know, we've talked about that with pain, is that pain often isn't a quantity of life issue like some of the other things that we deal with healthcare, but it is a quality of life issue. And and I think quality of life, uh, you know, we're going to start seeing people are living longer and longer and, and quality of life matters very much. And being in pain affects that. And, and you know, why should it, especially when there are things... That can be done, and 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 it has to be multifactorial. That's the biggest message that I think we have to get across is that pain management has to be taken a look at from all the aspects that contribute to the pain perception in the individual, right. which is the physical component, the biochemical component, and the psychosocial component, and therefore the interventions uh, should be tailored towards the same types of things. 416-870-6400,
0: star 640 on cell, a lot of car accident stuff. Is it, is it usually upper body, C, and head, or is it all kinds in your clinic, anyway.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of different scenarios. Definitely the whiplash stuff, the yeah. neck and the low back, I would say, uh, is, you know, I, I have, we actually have also a, an assessment company where people are assessed for, for car accidents either by insurers or lawyers. And, yeah, I would say... Th- You know, I I don't know the actual majority or the actual percentage, but I would say that, you know, neck and low back stuff is very, very common. And again, it just makes sense because of that, you know, that jarring Jarring action that that happens. Obviously, depending on the car accident, you can have other things. Uh, You know, one of the more serious things uh, we talk about is dashboard injuries uh, and you can get hip dislocations in that regard. Mm -hmm. But again, the accidents need to be really bad. The other thing that's a big thing is concussions lots of concussion, headache stuff. Uh, Again, related oftentimes to the whiplash disorder. Uh, It's kind of a... It's it's a a syndrome that's all-encompassing of neck pain, concussion, and headache versus just being three separate things. It's all kind of related. But there... It needs to be treated the right way. I can't right. stress that enough. It, it, you need to go about it the right way where, yes, you're you're working with somebody, you're getting a lot of treatment. You can't minimize that the effect of the car accident because, again, of how much force is transferred from these m- pieces of machinery into a human body. A- and the effects can be uh, quite detrimental and, and can go for a long period of time. And then, again, there's a lot of—unfortunately, the reality is that there are a lot of— um, legal uh, personnel out there that don't help the situation. And Mm -hmm. what I mean by that is they then make their, you know, if you're more hurt, there's more of a settlement, right? right? And sometimes indirectly they're suggesting that people should be more hurt or the perception that they're more hurt than they really are. And that can lead to some very dangerous things. That's why also picking the right Lawyer is very, very important and using people with good reputations is really, really important because, again, you're going to become what you believe you are. And if all you're being told is, well, do you have this? Do you have that? And it's like, well, no, but you keep hearing it. It's it's amazing how people start to develop things sure. that they never heard just because they keep hearing about it. And, again, that's the psychological aspect. 416-870-6400,
0: star 640 on cell up till 1 o'clock. Give us a call. Talk Let's hear your stories. Lots more of the Dr. Pain Show coming up. Talk Radio, AM 640. Yeah, it's the number, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell info at paincarecanada.com. You're all over social as well. I'm going to let you reiterate those particular yeah, oh, channels. I got it. <laughs> See if you get it right. Hang <laughs> on, Jocelyn.
1: I up the text message. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, She's saying, you know what? Her last message was just type in Doctor Lou, you'll find yeah. me. D <laughs> D R L O U. I guess it's that
0: simple. She's totally giving up on you. <laughs> yeah. She's like, all right, dummy, never mind. Just told to do this. Uh, Victoria, good uh, good afternoon. How are you?
8: I'm great. Good. Thanks for taking my call. Sure.
0: What's your concern?
8: Oh, I don't have a concern. I just want to verify that Doctor Lou is is absolutely right about these um, children with the feet. Mm-hmm. they should be taken care of when they're first first born um, instead of waiting till you're older right and then now you have to have orthodontist that right
1: orthotics yeah uh, but no, orthotics. you know and again it depends on Uh, what the issue is. Usually with stuff like that, with the orthotics, you would want them to be at the very least walking already. And, you know, after a few years, and sometimes I've seen kids, their parents bring them in and they're worried about, oh, they have flat feet. And, you know, again, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Sometimes it all goes based on uh, case by case. Uh, but definitely if the parent has a history of something, uh, they have flat feet, but they've also had a lot of pain that then becomes a little more significant. Cause if the child has flat feet, they may develop some pain. You start watching their gait cycle. The other uh, incredibly important thing in kids more so than external devo- devices is you can give them simple things to do that can help change their bodies and the way they develop simple exercises that are fun to do for kids. Uh, Cause that's important. You got, you can't give them rehab exercises that they're not going to like but if you give them the right things and the fun things to do they can do it with their parents a couple times a a day over many many years and it does help to make a a change in the development of their skeletal system for sure.
8: Well I had two children in the late 70s and uh, there was a doctor at Sick Children's Hospital who opened up a shoe store in the south end of Timmins area And I used to spend $60 on a pair of these ugly-looking army boots called Pussyfoot. And they wore them for the first few few years of their life And uh, because I realized that the feet, the bones are soft. Let's get them in the proper footwear Mm -hmm. as preventive medicine, like you were just saying about it's better to be preventive than later on in life having to spend that kind of money.
1: Big time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, prevention, I mean, we're always waiting for this magical pill that will come across that will cure cancer or this or that. The cure is prevention, mm-hmm. is, is what we're, it, yeah. we're starting to find out, is that these magic silver bullets are likely not going to exist. And if anything, one of the sayings that I always say, the closest thing to the silver bullet that we have in... Uh, in healthcare, is really good education and prevention. Yeah, that's that's the key: is is try to do the right things. It minimizes uh, the risk of anything else happening. It doesn't totally dismiss it, uh, but that's why we also have healthcare. So, in the unfortunate event that more serious things do happen, you get the healthcare that you need to try to get you better and and get back to your. Those shoes down
0: familiar. They sound familiar. Back in the day.
1: Yeah, I wasn't was around the thing, in the yeah. '70s, so I'm not sure.
0: No, you weren't, son. Yeah, I
1: know, no, I wasn't. Pussy I was born '85.
0: No, it's my stripper name in the '80s. <laughs> um, let me ask you something. Since you're a chiropractor, there, Captain Crunch, that used to, it used to be a pretty fashionable thing years ago. That when kids were first born, like right out of the gate, they manipulate their spines. You believe in that? Again, it's
1: you know, I, I think if there's something that happens in the labor process that is potentially right. traumatic might become more significant. And again, when we talk about manipulation in, in children, it's not like the manipulation that you would do in someone like you. Uh, it, it's much different. It's more like a mobilization, mm-hmm. which is just essentially applying light, gentle pressure to the joints to move them to together. The key with what we're finding with manipulation, all it is, is it, introducing movement into really restricted areas. That's, okay. that's really what it is uh, more than anything. So, do I believe in it? Again, you know, it, number one, you should see someone who's trained in pediatric stuff for for the chiropractic uh, perspective. Because, you know, dealing with a child or a newborn is very different than Big dealing time. with someone who's 30 years old. Uh, so there are some people that are have more specific training in that. Uh, and again, it, it comes down to an assessment. And was there some type of trauma that happened during uh, the the labor process that potentially would have created that?
0: 416 870 6400, star 640 on sale. Last uh, 10 minutes of the show here to go. If you're going to call in, this is the time you want to do it as we take a short break. The Dr. Payne Show Talk Radio, AM 640. You got a couple minutes still to call through and get a hold of Dr. Payne as we are wrapping the show up at one o'clock today, the two hour special broadcast. Love it. But uh, in studio question now coming from a uh, longtime producer, first time caller. <laughs> first time <laughs> yeah, caller,
4: yeah. Uh, Jody. Um, I read a a report a few weeks ago about how knee surgery, we're spending millions of dollars on knee surgery that people aren't really actually getting any benefit from. Do you know anything about this? Yeah, there's
1: actually been some uh, interesting studies done around that. And one of the most significant ones that I can think of was Uh, with arthroscopic knee surgery, Mm -hmm. usually just to kind of clean up the meniscus and stuff like that. What they did is they had two large groups of people, one group of people. They went in and they actually did the scope surgery. Um, And when they do these surgeries on either side of the patella, they do a slit to get into. That's all it is now. Yeah, Yeah. and and then they send a scope in there to clean it up. Then the other group of people, all they did was, because they were all put under, uh, they just put cuts in the knee and then stitched them back out. So So they they look the same. So they look the same so that they think they got surgery. They think that's the important part here. And then they looked at their outcomes following the surgeries at different times. I believe it was six weeks, three months, and then a year later. And what was very, very interesting was that the outcomes... Uh, were identical and so what it basically showed what mm. was important was the belief that they thought they had knee surgery wow. is what actually got them better and nice. and again it highlighted the the perspective of the placebo effect and yeah is there a lot of wasted money in different interventions in our healthcare system absolutely there it, you know we i think we're moving towards a, a time that we do need to revamp a lot of things and look at better uh you know answers Uh, to certain problems and the way they're being dealt with. Uh, Because, yeah, you know, sometimes it's... This is where it becomes very, very important to determine what the actual pain-generating structure is, and again, moving towards these um, things uh, once you've exhausted other more low-level things. Uh, The other thing, too, is a lot of people, they have extended healthcare benefits for the physio, chiral, massage, all that stuff, and they jump straight into the OHIP system. I also believe that the onus is on us as consumers, right? Because although we think our healthcare is free we do pay it with tax of dollars do. um, and so if you have extended health benefits one of the way that you can remove the burden from ohip because what's going to happen is as it becomes more and more um, Labored, Our taxes are going to have to increase in order to make up for that. So if you have extended health care benefits for other things, utilize those benefits to, to get your mm-hmm. treatment that you need. Uh, that way you can remove the burden from, he- uh, from OHIP. And I think that's very, very important as a consumer uh, of health care to, to be cognizant of that, that in one way or another, you're paying whether it's through the OHIP system or your private insurance. But that's why we have both. And some people are like, oh, I never, ever use my benefits. Now, I'm not suggesting that you should just go use your benefits if you don't have a problem. But it's incredible how many people I meet that have issues have benefits, and never go get these issues checked out or taken care of. It's like, well, why not? You're paying for that somehow through your employer or whatever. Uh, Why not use it instead of just solely worrying about, well, I'm I'm just going to go to the walk-in clinic and get a refill on my whatever meds or this or that. So, uh, yeah, going back to your... your, your point there, Jody, is, yeah, definitely there are a lot of wasted uh, things happening in our healthcare system and a lot of knee surgery could probably, a lot of knee issues could probably be dealt with without the surgery.
0: And this is probably obvious, but of course, you practice, you private healthcare, hip oh, hey, blah, blah, blah. You work yeah, with a
1: both? Yeah, a bit of both. It, okay. Again, it depends what... Right. Where we got to send you? Obviously, if I'm going to send you for a surgical consult and potentially surgery, well, OHIP is going to send you know pay for that. If I'm sending you to uh, a family physician or a walk-in doctor, then yeah, OHIP. But if you need you know physiotherapy, mm-hmm. you're, it's going to be extended health. Or you know, and there's different types of things we deal with people who are uh, hurt in workplaces, so WSIB kicks in in that point. Uh, if you've been hurt in a car accident, then you're extended. Healthcare insurance, sometimes long disability. So, usually with any type of what we would call a third party payer, right? Someone else who, except yourself, is paying for uh, the healthcare. But yeah, it, it does depend on the service that you're being recommended for, will determine if it's covered by OIP or through some other type of uh, uh, payer system.
0: How far along in a problem, say, any specific malady should I come to see you? As soon as possible. As soon as possible, so, right? Well, Just get on top th- of it. You
1: know, the, the biggest thing is when you meet people who have been dealing with something for months, years, it, it, That's that's already diminishing their prognosis. Now, do you have to come, you know, five minutes after it happened? No. And especially sometimes people will have... Another interesting thing is people will have, like you know knee pain for a day then it goes away but then it'll keep consistently happening yeah. and they don't and then it's not until it's you know lasting for a week that they think oh i have knee pain well no you had knee pain leading up to it it was just very short lived i would say that as soon as possible is always the best case. But they don't, John, the beautiful thing is they don't even have to come and see me. They can just call me. They don't even have to or send me an email at info at Pain Care Canada about what's going on. And then again, if I think it's something that you need an assessment and potentially some type of treatment intervention, we're gonna get you in. We're we're gonna get you started. And, you know, my corporate office uh where my central hub is is in mm-hmm. Etobicoke, but we've got a provider network all across Ontario. So there's no limitations. We can Pretty help cool. We, we, we can help people wherever they are and point them in the right direction. Uh, but, yeah, as a general rule, I would say the sooner the better.
0: For sure. well, uh, we'll take it for another week uh, to get a hold of after the show, which is uh, now till next weekend, 1-855-55-DRLU, D-R-L-O-U. Just Google Dr. Lou. You get all the contact there as well because you are completely incapable of relaying social <laughs> media. Sorry, <laughs> Jocelyn, you got to do everything. Uh, till next week, info at paincarecanada.com, dot com one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U. We'll catch you next week on the Doctor Pain Show Talk Radio AM six forty.